Hey, thanks for tuning in into the City Life Church podcast. We are a church in San Francisco and we exist so that people that are far from God will encounter His presence and experience the life that only Christ offers. We pray that this word will challenge you and encourage you in your walk of faith with Jesus. We've been in a series called Circle Maker. And if you're new to the house, you're like, man, what in the world is this circle maker thing? Really, circle maker is taken from a book, and we've been going through it as a church community, and it's targeting things in prayer. It's saying, God, I'm taking my attention and my focus, and I'm asking you to intervene. That could be in a marriage, could be in a family situation, could be over your finances, but you're circling something. You're saying, God, I'm praying specifically that you would move in this area of my life and uh, how many know, I think we need, to, we need to circle the 49ers in prayer today. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I think there's going to be some extra circles drawn around Jimmy Garoppolo. God, help him not throw any interceptions. Anoint his hands to give those great passes in Jesus' name. Hey, uh, I had the distinct privilege. It was fun a couple weeks ago when we beat the Packers. Those of you that don't know, my family's up in Washington. So I got, I've gotten a little bit of flack the last few years in football. You know what I mean? So uh, my dad, who is a Seahawks fan, I had the joy after the Packers game. Now, granted, it wasn't against the Seahawks, but calling him up and saying, Dad, I, where are the sea chickens? I don't, I don't see them in the playoffs. Where are they? <laughs> He's like, shut up, dude. <laughs> uh, lots, of, lots of chatter, lots of banter online. All, a lot of my friends and relationships are up in Washington, so I got to give them a hard time this year. And all God's people said, yeah. Amen. Amen. Matthias, don't throw any tomatoes at me, bro. Love you. Uh, he's a Seahawks fan. Hey, uh, but we've been on this series, focusing our hearts, focusing our attention on God intervening in our lives and in various ways. So PJJ, I'm going to set the framework, and then I'm going to go into the message this morning, and, uh, and we'll move forward. PJJ talked about this. He talked about seven truths about praying God's will. How do I pray God's will and not my will? He chatted about that. Pastor Elena, then she spoke on dreaming big and praying big. She encouraged us to say, man, a lot of times our prayers are just too small. A lot of times we live life just too small. We go through the motions, we do our thing, but we're not living the full and the abundant life that Jesus has to offer. She also talked about not complaining. And uh, that was good, amen? I like nudge my kids a little bit. You hear that, kids? <laughs> not complaining. Pastor David talked uh, last week about prophesying again. If you're new to the game, new to church, whatever, prophesying is like speaking the will of God into your situation, declaring based on the word of God, the will of God for your life. And so all of this has been good and setting the context and what God put on my heart to chat with us about this morning is this, building a friendship with God through prayer. Building a friendship with God through prayer. See, one of the things prayer and fasting does for us is, is, is it, we begin to take away some of the things that we enjoy, some of the things that, that, that are satisfying to us. Could be food, could be media, could be whatever you chose to fast from. And, and it's an intentional set-aside time to kind of realign our desires and say, you know what, you know what matters most in my life? What, what, what I really need is not what I can solve myself. I need something from God. Come on, somebody. I need God to intervene. I need God to move. So we give up something. And you know what the amazing thing is? In a time of prayer and fasting, you begin to experience something, and we begin to experience something where it's like, man, God, I just, man, I just desire more of you. It's like that song said, I just want you. I don't want religion. I don't want three songs and moving on in my day. I don't want to have a form of godliness, and, but deny the power. I don't want to be a Christian in name only. 
Come on, somebody. I've been in the game a long time. My dad's a pastor. I grew up in church. And we, we get involved in these, these, these routines. And it's like God so often, he shakes us and says, man, I want to bring you back to the place where it's just about me and you. Where it's just you and me. Where you hear my voice again, where you feel my love again, where you experience my grace again, when you feel the call of God on your life again, when you know my promises again for your life. And so it's in intimacy. See, see, God wants us to have relationship before we have our petitions. He wants our heart. Teresa in, of Avila said this. I love this quote. She said, for prayer is nothing else than being on terms of friendship with God. It's nothing else than being on terms of friendship with God. So here's the big idea, guys. Here's, here's, the, here's it in a nutshell. And this blows my mind. The God of the galaxies, the God of the universe, the God of all creation, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God himself who exists and stands outside of time, who takes commands from no one, relegated himself for friendship with us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, does that blow your mind? God himself has determined, hey, I want a friendship with you. And this morning, that may be a new concept for you. you may not have grown up in church, but we believe and we know that God is not just a God who is all-powerful and all-knowing, but that at the end of the day, what he really desires is relationship. Amen? Amen? Here's the good news. You and I don't need to wrestle our way into important circles and try to rub shoulders with important people to get to where we need to go in life because the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Messiah and the God of all creation is our friend. Come on, somebody. It's greater, greater than being friends with the President of the United States, greater than having Elon Musk or Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather on speed dial. We have the King of Kings as our friend. Does that not blow your mind? And yet sometimes it's so hard for us. We, we pray these small prayers and, and, we, and we act as if God is not able. And trust me, I'm guilty, church. All of us at some point in our life, we kind of, our faith gets fractured or we go through stuff and we're like, God, where are you? And God reminds us, I am king and I'm your friend. I mean, does that blow your mind? He is for you. Somebody in the room this morning, you need to know God is for you. Whatever tried to attack you and take you out and eliminate you from the call of God on your life, whatever disappointment, pain, trial, hurt, frustration, backbiting, you name it, God is for you. And the Bible says if God is for you, who can be against you? See, it's not by our merit. It's not by our good works. It's not by our good deeds. It is by the grace of God the unending love of God, the faithfulness of God, where he says, I forever will be for you. Proven by what he did in the sending of his son. Signed, sealed, and delivered through what Jesus 
has accomplished. See, powerful things happen when we pursue the presence of God and the friendship of God together. Church, I said this before, church is not about checking off a religious checklist. Church is not a social club, the Elks Club, a Costco membership with benefits. It's none of that. The thing that distinguishes church from every other institution, an organization, is one thing. It's the presence of God. And it's the presence of God that changes, amen? It's the presence of God that heals. It's the presence of God that delivers. And I don't know about you, but that gives me hope. Because as we worship God, just like we did this morning, God, I just want you. Can you feel that in your heart? Maybe some of you just feel that in your heart this morning. God, I just want you. You know, God is doing something incredible, church, in California. We gathered with 73 other churches here in the Bay Area, had a leadership conference. Some of our staff went, some couldn't. But it was amazing. And what was amazing was not the high-profile speakers. That's awesome. It wasn't amazing just all the, all the systems and how everything was done. What was amazing is just like on Sunday, having moments in worship where the music is playing, no one is singing, you're quiet before God, your hands are open, and you sense, you know God is in that room, and you know He's speaking to you, and you could linger there for hours. You could stay. Nobody needs to convince you that we're going to go another five minutes because the presence of God was there. That's why when we pray on Wednesdays and all, we could say things like, God, Pastor Keys said it, Better is one day in your courts, God, than a thousand elsewhere. One day with you. See, every time someone surrenders their life to Jesus, every time someone is baptized, we rejoice again, we remember again that it's the presence of God and the presence of God alone that changes us. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. All right, so let's dive in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take three kind of profiles. We'll see how far we can get this morning. From three key people in scripture. And, uh, and I want to share with you some thoughts on how to be a, a friend of God in prayer. Let's go first to some, uh, excuse me, uh, Philippians 3.1. The Apostle Paul, Philippians 3.1. He says this. Now listen to the language. If you are a Bible highlighter, I encourage you. You got it on your phone. You got the physical Bible. I want to encourage you to highlight, circle some things. I want you to listen to the language of someone who had friendship with God in this scripture. I'm going to read from the Amplified in just a minute, but in verse 1, Philippians 3, 1, it says, Finally, my fellow believers, we can personalize it, finally, City Life Church, <laughs> continue to rejoice and delight in the Lord. Continue to rejoice, and I love this word, delight in the Lord. Psalm 37, 4, we know this familiar passage, and it says this, it says, this to reiterate that word delight yourself in the Lord and he will what church online somebody will chat it in there how about you give you the desires of your heart and this is a kind of in a lot of ways a misunderstood scripture so we're going to chat a little bit about what that why that is but let me encourage you around this thought friendship with God starts by learning to delight and simply be with God. Friendship with God starts by learning to delight and simply be with God. See, delighting ourselves means that our hearts, find, they find peace and they find fulfillment in Him. 
If we find satisfaction in God, God will give us the desires of our heart. But check this out. That, desire, that does not mean that God's going to throw out a, a, a Rolls Royce or allow us to win the lottery or kind of do some things that, that we would really want to do. My son, my son the other day was like, yeah, Dad, wouldn't it be awesome we win the lottery? I'm like, yeah, that would be cool. But God doesn't function like that. See, here's what happens. God aligns us as we delight in God. It's like his desires start to become our desires. And that old stuff that we used to seek and want and try to fill the void in our lives, it's like, man, that starts to pale in comparison to what God really wants for our life, for his purpose and his call for our life. So our desires get aligned with the will of God, and then he grants those desires, and we're in alignment with him. Come on, somebody, amen? amen. So the mystery of the Christian life is if we surrender to God, he'll take away the things we used to want that didn't bring satisfaction. And we find the one thing that really satisfies, and it's the presence of God. David said, I'd, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. See, a lot of Christians, they want God to give them their desires, but without their desires being aligned with the will and word of God. Ever want that? I, I saw an interview, and it was a famous fighter on TikTok this week. And uh, he, he was being interviewed, and uh, check this out. Here's what he said. I want to get it right. So he said, he said, man, I live the life I want. When you make $400 million for a company, you can pick what you want. You do what you want. What I want, I do. I take what I want. And I sat back and thought to myself, Lord, help me if that was me. Because how many know sometimes what we want is not what is best for us? Yes. We still got kind of that carnal old nature. Yes. Now, we've been redeemed. Those of you in the room that have accepted Christ, we do have a new nature. Yes. But still sometimes that old nature that gets us in trouble, that old nature that kind of wants us to go down a certain path, it comes back up. And if we had everything that we wanted, we would be in trouble. Yes. I don't care what your title is, pastor or not, we all have that nature. Yes. Amen. So, the, so the, what am I saying? I'm saying that when we delight ourselves in God, what we're doing is so we surrender to God. We're, we're, we're yielding our desires to really get a hold of what God cares about. He says, I will then give you the desires of my heart. See how this plays out, though, sometimes is, God, I need more provision in my life. And the Lord says, hey, trust me, give, and it will come back to you. I need more peace in my life. And what does God do? He like, he gives us a problem. He gives us a trial so that we can hold on to him and learn to find peace in Jesus throughout the storms of life. He may not change it in the moment. Amen. I need more love in my life. And you know what God says? God says, man, spend some time with me and I'll show you what real love is. Amen. I want more faith in my life. God allows us to experience a test, a trial, and something that's really difficult so that we can ground ourselves in the word of God and say, I will not be shaken by what I face right now. I'm going to stand on the word of God. I'm going to stand on the will of God and I'm going to get through this. But God, I just want these things. And God says, I want your heart to be aligned with mine so that I can give you what will really bring true fulfillment. 
See, I can't afford for God to give me the desires that come from that old, redeemed, sinful nature. Come on, somebody. That's why a significant part of the Lord's Prayer, Pastor Keys mentioned this earlier in the service, is this. Jesus, when he was taught his, teaching his crew how to pray, here's what he said. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. But how many of us sometimes it's so easy, we would never do this, but we kind of do it. God, let my kingdom come. Let my will be done. God says, man, I've got so much more for you. Let your kingdom come, God. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? All right, let's go uh, to the Apostle Paul. We're going to look at Paul. We're going to look at Moses. We'll see how much time we have. Here's what the Apostle Paul says later in Philippians, Philippians uh, chapter 3, verse 8. So check this out. Listen again. I'm reading from the Amplified. So if you're a Bible highlighter, those of you online, you can highlight uh, the words, or if you've got a physical Bible. I love the language here. Check this out. This is a friend of God speaking. Paul. I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, the supreme advantage of knowing Jesus, my Lord. Check this out, verse 10. Hear the heart. Don't just hear the words. Hear the heart of Paul. Oh, that I may know him. And then it breaks it down in the Amplified. It says, experientially becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely. Now check this out, church. Listen to those words. The priceless privilege, the surpassing worth, the supreme advantage of knowing Christ. Does that sound like a man who's checking off a religious checklist? No. This is coming from a man who found his, his, his value, his sustenance, his satisfaction in God. See, God answers the prayers of those in fellowship with him. God answers the prayers of those in fellowship with him. Now, it may not happen right away. It could take years. It could take decades. But God answers the prayers of those first that are in fellowship with him. See, something needs to kind of get a hold of us, I think, church, where we, where we say, God, I am seeking you no matter what. I'm going to seek you no matter what people say about me. I'm going to seek you no matter what comes my way. I'm going to seek you no matter what songs we sing on a Sunday morning. I'm going to seek you whether we do that worship set or not. I'm going to seek you. And wherever that takes me, I'm all in, God. I'm all in and I'm going to seek you. When we make a place like that for God, our worship together, our worship personally, it just is different. Because God... Sees our heart. Amen? Amen? If all I seek are his gifts or what he can do for me, I have a self-centered relationship that's based on God's performance and meeting my needs. Instead, my desire is to seek him based on a longing just to know him, just to have fellowship with him. How many parents we have in the room? A lot of parents in the room. 
they all know, man, in our culture, in our day, it's kind of crazy. We have, we're so blessed, man, America, we really are blessed when you travel the world and see how most of humanity lives life. And uh, it, it, it's, any parent can relate to the fact that kids go to school, whatever, and they want this and they want that. And we're blessed enough to be able to uh, oftentimes uh, provide. Uh, God take, takes care of our needs. But how many you know when kids ask for this, that, and whatever, if all the conversation all the time is based on asks, it hinders the relationship. Sometimes I think to myself, man, God, do you feel that way with us at times when we petition and ask and ask over and over again? There's nothing wrong with that. But I, I, I think the heart of God is, man, would you, just, would you just linger? Would you just be with me? Would you just spend time with me? Would you feel my heart for you? And as we... And this is why even in the Lord's Prayer at the first part, Matthew 6, 9, the, Jesus again instructs us to pray based on the Lord's Prayer, not as a, a rote religious thing, but as a model. And he says, hey, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So prayer really starts with a place of worship and relationship and intimacy and friendship with God. See, the power of prayer lies in the relationship. I'll never forget a story, missionary, guy that I knew, Bible college professor, Dr. Sam Sasser, missionary to the Marshall Islands, one of the greatest men I've ever met. Call a guy, comes on his life, and he says, man, I'm going to go. I'm going to sell it all. I'm going to go to the Marshall Islands of people at that time. It's crazy. I feel old. I don't know, 30, 40 years ago, something crazy. Uh, I'm going to go sell it all to go tell these people about Jesus in the Marshall Islands. Many of them. Uh, almost the whole islands were not saved, had no clue of Jesus and who he was and what he did. Tribal people, a lot of cult, occultish uh, spiritual practices, but no, no real clue about Jesus. He shows up on a plane, gets off the plane, and uh, as he first greets these people, uh, those of you that have traveled to other nations, you find out, hey, uh, we, we are physically here, and there's also we live in a spiritual world. And you find that out pretty fast sometimes in other countries. This, this, this uh, tribal people are in this circle, and there's a man in the middle of the circle literally levitating off the ground as they're doing this chant and, and cutting and doing these things uh, to, to their gods. And uh, they greet. Can you imagine? Missionary. You show up, and this is going down. You see a person levitating in the middle of the circle. You're like, wow, this is, this is nuts. This is crazy. And they look at him, and they say, hey, uh, this is what our gods can do. What can your god do? And... Wow. Dr. Sasser, remember, I remember him telling the story. All he needed, knew to do is in that moment, he got right in where the circle was and just started lifting up the name of Jesus. Say, Jesus, I worship you. I enthrone you. God, you are able. And right now, I pray you show these people your power, something that I cannot do, but only you can do. And he looked at them. God gave him the courage and boldness to say, my God can bring that man down. He starts worshiping and lifting up the name of Jesus. The man drops. Every person in that area was saved and gave their life to Jesus. All through worship. Come on, somebody. All through a simple act. It's not sophisticated. Not, not, you know, you don't need 10 years in Bible college. You're just lifting up the name of Jesus. Just exalting God. Just worshiping God. So I'm telling you, worship, relationship with God is powerful. But see, we got to understand, God is not, he's not our, our butler. He's not our genie in a bottle. The power lies in the relationship. What mattered to Paul was in his intimacy with God. Let's go to the life of Abraham real quick. 
Abraham, uh, let's go with James 2, 23. If you have your Bibles out, I love this. Abraham, father of our faith, it says in the Old Testament. And here's what it says of Abraham. It says, Abraham believed God, and God counted it him as righteousness because of his faith. And then here's the verse. It says, he was even called the friend of God. I have a question for you this morning. What kind of friendship will you build with God this year, 2022? Those of you, um, you know, we know we have different kinds of friends. We got some friends we see occasionally. We got some friends on speed dial. We got some friends we'll call in the middle of the night when we're struggling. We got some friends that we can share our deepest concerns with. Good friends show up in the important things and the important moments. I'm telling you, there's a friend beyond any friend, and it's God himself. There's a friend who is always faithful, who is always loving, who is always constant, who never fails. The Bible says he will never leave us or forsake us. There is a friend who will stick closer than a brother. There is a friend who's become the friend of all friends through the sending of his son Jesus to redeem broken humanity, and his name is God. I'm telling you, church, like, I hope you feel the heart of God for you. I feel, hope you feel the longing of God to go deeper with Him in 2022. See, check this out. Psalm 25, 14, it says this. It says, The Lord is a friend to those who fear Him. He teaches them His covenant. Then it says, My eyes are always on the Lord, for He rescues me from the trap of my enemies. Let's go back just for a minute to Abraham. Abraham was called a friend of God, and check this out. God's getting ticked at Sodom and Gomorrah, people, wickedness, all kinds of crazy stuff going on back in that time. God says, man, I've had it. And um, this is crazy. Listen to the conversation that Abraham has with God. It says in Genesis 18, 17 through 19, it says, The Lord said, listen to this, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all the nations of the earth will be blessed for I have chosen him. The Hebrew word there for chosen means I know him. I know him. So that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so the Lord will bring about that for Abraham what he has promised to him. Abraham's friendship with God, he pleaded before God for the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and God changed his mind. Literally that in the scripture it says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham had a unique friendship with God. Now the cool thing is this, church. We may be like, man, that's good for Abraham, father of our faith. Man, super spiritual. That's good for Paul. These are incredible men of God. But man, I don't know about me, pastor. I don't know if I can have that kind of relationship. I think I need a better track record than that. Well, I've got good news for you this morning. When we look at the life of Paul, who literally was killing Christians, and God turns his life around and he becomes a man of intimacy with God. When we look at Abraham, Abraham was going to pimp his wife to some people that were wicked and literally was a coward and wanted to do that. And yet he's called the friend of God. Moses said, man, I don't know, God, how can I lead the people? I just don't speak that well. I stutter. I've got stuff. I've got issues. Anybody else in the house? 
And God says, I've chosen you. And it literally says to Moses, we'll read it in a minute, that God talked to Moses like a man face to face. So intimacy and friendship with God is not based on a perfect track record. It's based on desire, hunger, the fear of God, obedience to God. All right, check this out. Let's, uh, let's go very quickly to the life of Moses. Uh, Moses, let's go to Exodus 33, 11. And uh, we'll look at one more vignette, if you will, of the life of Moses. Check this out. Moses would go out in the Old Testament and chat with God. and it was, There was literally a visible uh, sign of God's presence back then, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, where the glory of God would come in a cloud by day and a fire by night. But it says this in Exodus 33, 11, it says, The Lord used to speak to Moses face to face just as a man speaks to his friend. Just as a man speaks to his friend. And I want to encourage you this morning just to, to kind of like pull off some of the, the internal resistance that we have of, man, that's great. We, we so sometimes like just get hyper-spiritual about the characters in the Bible. They were people just like us. And, and, and the heart of God is that, that we could have this kind of friendship with him. All right, I need to get to some practical points. So let me read you one more scripture. We'll talk about how to be a deeper friend of God. John 15, 12 through 15. Listen to this. Now we go to the New Testament and we look at Jesus, what he said. It says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. Listen to this. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus says, you are my friends if, turn to your neighbor, say if, if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are, he says it again, you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me. Since I have told everything to you that the Father has told me. I want to encourage you, church. Friendship with God is the calling of every believer. Friendship with God is the call of a circle maker. Somebody who's believing God in 2022 for specific things. And we're going to continue to pray. And we're going to continue to see God move. And we're going to continue to see amazing business deals happen and we're going to continue to pray and see lost people in your family come to Christ and we're going to continue to pray and see our neighborhoods and the unreached reach with the unchanging love of Jesus Christ and we're going to continue to pray and reach out and plant churches this year. There's all kinds of things that we're going to do this year as a church but let us remember that the friendship with God is the basis for all our requests. God wants to deepen his friendship with us. All right, let me give you some practical pointers and then we'll, we'll close up shop. How can we become friends, close friends of God? Number one, invite God into every aspect of our lives. Invite God into every aspect of our lives. Does God have an all-access pass to every room of your heart, every room of my heart? See, we need, to, we need to allow God to really be a friend of God to say, God, you have access to my relationships. God, you have access to my marriage. God, you have access to how I parent. God, you have access to my social media. God, you have access to every part of my life. God, I'm giving it to you. 
But what happens sometimes, if we're all really honest, there's, there's like at your house, I don't know about uh, your house and mine, maybe there's a closet with some stuff in it. God says, man, I want to be your friend. I want to counsel you. I want to love you. But I, I just, I, I want all access. Can I encourage you to give God all access and all access pass into your heart this morning? Amen. There's nothing we need to hide or keep from our closest friend. Number two, take the time to talk with him, to listen to him, and to continually put him first. I had a chance the other day to go out in, uh, and golf out in the East Bay. And man, I love, I love golf. There's certain things just clear your head and are relaxing. I like hiking. I like golfing. So I went out a couple months ago, and, um, and, I, and I went out golfing to this place in Walnut Creek. It's a good course. Um, and man, <laughs> I was nailing it. I shot like, I shot a crazy round, minus my nine mulligans keys. It, uh, <laughs> it was good. I shot a killer round, but here's the thing. I was alone. It's just me. And how many know if you've gone out and golfed or done something in your life like that's really fun and you experience it? It's just not the same if you don't have somebody else with you. Yeah, the whole purpose of golf or doing those sorts of things is that you can experience life together. This is why we even do life groups so that people in church don't have to live life alone, but they can connect and find life and joy with each other. See, we are meant and designed for friendship. We're meant and designed for fellowship. But guys, first and foremost, that needs to be with God. With God. I want to encourage you around a couple thoughts. We'll move forward. I'll close up soon, I promise. <laughs> Number one, have a consistent place to go with God every day. Do you have a place? Those of you that have been relationship, marriage, you name it, maybe with your kids, there's certain things that you, maybe you do consistently and you kind of look at it, you're like, man, that is our spot. We go there. All those memories, man, we have it. That is our spot. That's what we do. It's special. It's special because of the memories. It's special because of the moments. It's special because of what you experienced at that place. I just want to encourage you. That's what taking a place with God can be. I remember growing up, uh, it, it, for me, it, it, it's my bedroom. It's that, that, that place where I'd pray and walk and put on worship and begin to connect with God. I want to encourage you, whatever, wherever that is, could be in your backyard, could be in a room, isolated room if you have kids. I don't know where it is, but find a place to be with God. Number two, learn to abide in God throughout the day. I want to encourage you. You know, so we, we so quickly call up a friend for help, call up, call up a, a friend for prayer, and that's good. That's needed. We don't want anybody to do, do, to do life alone. But may your first effort, our first thing when bad news hits, could be around our work, bad news hits, you name it in life, that we go first to God and say, God, you are my friend. You are my closest friend. Counsel me through this. Help me. I need you. It's good to have help and support, but there are some certain things, church, that only God can fix. Amen? Amen. Number, uh, number three, I want to encourage you, don't do all the talking. Listen to what God, God's voice and what he would say. Don't do all the talking. This is, this is hard for us. Come on, 2022, this is hard for us. Start praying. And, man, looking at our phone. Start praying, and we're talking all the time, and I just think sometimes God's like, man, just listen. I, I want to speak to you. I want to counsel you. I want to talk to you. Okay, number three, remember that Jesus has already experienced what you are experiencing. Jesus has already experienced 
what you are experiencing. I won't have time to get in my others. You can look at your notes. By the way, CLC notes, go there and you can check it out uh, and follow through and get, get some of these other practical points that, that may help you. But let's land the plane on this one. Check this out, Hebrews 4.15. This is the reason we gather. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who was tempted in every way just as we are and yet did not sin. Jesus is not a friend that does not understand what you and I are experiencing. Come on, church. He's experienced everything that we have. Pain, rejection, betrayal, fear, loss, mocking, slander, hardship, tests, temptations, trials. You fill in the blank. Jesus has experienced it and triumphed. Because he triumphed, we can trust him. Because he triumphed, we can be friends with him. There's nothing that we have experienced that Jesus, our friend, has not felt. And I want to read to you this verse, and then we're going to close up in prayer. I love this verse. Man, if you, if you need your heart again to be just captured by God, please read Isaiah 53. I go back to this verse all the time. It's a prophecy of Isaiah about Jesus, and here's what it says. We're going to just close up shop. It says this, My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief, We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. It was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Check this out. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed. We've left God's paths to follow our own. And yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Friends, I don't know what you're going through this morning. But I'm telling you, God does. And as your friend, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, I pray you hear the invitation of God to go deeper with him this year. Amen. With every head bowed, I want to pray for you this morning. If you're new to this game, first time at church, a few times at church, whatever, I hope you feel the love of God. I hope right now in this moment, the presence of God is here, that you sense and know that Jesus wants a deeper relationship with you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray a prayer. And I I want to encourage you just to respond to this decision. will change your life. Jesus will change your life. So church, come on, let's pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, we acknowledge all that you've done on the cross. Giving your life for our sins.
for our mistakes, for all that we've done to resist and oppose you. We thank you that you gave your life for us. And we surrender our lives to you now. And say, Lord, be Lord of my life. Be my Savior. Be my guide. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give it up for every person who made that decision this morning. God knows who you are. God knows who you are. Pastor Keys is going to come up in a minute. I just want to encourage you, church, if you made that decision, God loves you. And I want to encourage us as a church in 2022 to know this. There's a friendship with God that goes beyond anything that you've ever experienced. God wants you to take that next step. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Keys.